When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. You know, I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I geek out a little bit about audio, and I've got John Harabin, the CMO of Audible. So I apologize in advance for my geekiness and maybe uh, love of audio, but I'm biased. I'm a podcaster. But I know you're going to learn a lot from John. He's been the CMO at Audible for a number of years, which is an Amazon company. We talk about the founding story of Audible, where it came from, seemed to come out of nowhere for me in particular. And then we talk about his past as well at Verizon, where he was the CMO and spent 18 years there and then did a stint with NBC Universal in between uh, leaving Verizon and joining Audible. And we talk about audio and the power of audio and where he sees marketing going in the future. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with John. Well, John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to talk to somebody that's at the nexus of audio, (laughs) being a (laughs) podcaster. So it should be a fun conversation. I hope I'm not too self-serving. It sounds weird, a podcaster interviewing somebody from Audible. But yes, I'm interviewing somebody from Audible. Well, um, let's start with your background. I I know you spent, I think, 18 years at Verizon. Um, Was that where you started your career? No, actually, I'm a former quant jock. I majored in finance as an undergrad and went into consulting right out of college. And during that time, I was building 
all these valuation models for mainly troubled companies. And I realized that the biggest levers of growth were really residing in the marketing department. And I saw that in all my scenarios and sensitivity models, and I wanted to be part of that action. So I went back to business school and majored in marketing and strategy. And then that was at the time when the wireless industry was pretty nascent. So after that, I started as a product manager at a company called AirTouch Cellular. You probably don't remember that company, but it was a small wireless company that was subsequently purchased by the largest wireless company in the world, Vodafone. And then Vodafone merged its US properties, us, into this joint venture to form Verizon Wireless. So I've been at Verizon Wireless since it was uh, formed. Nice. Wow. And you really rose through the ranks there. <laughs> well, I've, I've done every job, I think, in sales operations and marketing. That's sort of their thing, right? They challenge you for two-year assignments. If you do well, they give you more responsibility, more responsibility, more responsibility. In all that time, what I really found is that marketing is everything that I wanted it to be. You're right in the center of the action. And what I really loved is driving growth and launching products. You know, that's where you get immediate gratification in the form of metrics and customer feedback is what you are doing working now. If not, you know how to adjust. So that's what I love about it. And that's what I love about Audible too. I mean, Audible is right in that stage where I think the wireless industry was 10 years. People know about the category, but yet there's still so much room to grow. And like Verizon, it's a subscription service. And like Verizon, it's a direct relationship with customers. And when you have a strong brand, that just makes your funnel so much more efficient all throughout the, uh, the process. So there's a lot of similarities, differences too, but you know, that's what I love about marketing and really specifically subscription marketing direct to the consumer. Right. Okay. Well, when you, you left Verizon, you, you had achieved the role of chief marketing officer, you go to NBC Universal, and I think it was on the ad sales side, but you can correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. And then you, you made the transition to Audible as, as CMO. Yeah, that was fun. It was a different side, the sell side versus the buy side. It's such a great learning experience and a different, a different skill set. But what a great time to do it, too, when we're selling the Olympics and we're selling all these great properties that just come together. And we were able to do a unified upfront, which at the time seemed standard, but it was a big deal at the time. And that was a great experience and a great learning experience. Like knowing what's on the other side now, I could apply that to my day-to-day -day work here even more effectively than I did before. Got it. Got it. You've had a successful career. Were there any pivotal twists or turns or, or mentors along the way? Uh, of course. I mean, there's so many. There's one thing that I think a lot of people, particularly a lot of young people, don't recognize. And that is you can choose your boss. You can't choose that much in life. There's going to be stuff about work that you love doing and maybe don't love doing so much, but you can always choose your boss. And I've been really fortunate to have some amazing, amazing bosses. One who is the COO and president of Verizon is a great mentor and a great boss. And I still keep in touch with him today. And another woman who was head of uh, AOL, uh, Yahoo, 
who is just an incredible sales leader and really uh, people developer. Just, I've had amazing mentors and that I believe is critical to anyone's growth. You can choose your mentors and you learn from everybody. And uh, I've been really fortunate. Well, let's talk about Audible some more. I honestly don't remember how I came across it. I'm pretty sure it was post Amazon acquisition, but it just seemed to come out of nowhere for me. <laughs> and, and I don't really know the founding story, like who was behind it and where did the idea come from? Yeah. So, so Audible was founded by my boss, Don Katz, in the late 1990s. So it's been around for a while. And he founded Audible when he was a journalist and an author. And what inspired him really to start the company was the confluence of a couple of things. One is that he studied in, in college under Ralph Ellison, and he shared the belief that Ralph Ellison had that there's this incredible rich tradition of storytelling and oral storytelling that's been passed on from generation to generation before there was even the print form of communication. And he believed that this is a cultural advantage and something that society is at risk of missing and that people really need to experience words. So he saw this as an opportunity. And there was things like books on tape that were starting then, but it, that wasn't really an efficient way to go to scale, right? And he also saw that people learn different. Some people are more auditory and that a lot of people were trying to like keep up on stuff, but they just couldn't because there's people were spending so much time commuting. So he saw these things come together and he's like, wow, I think there's an opportunity here. So he and a person by the name of Guy Story uh, co-invented uh, this solid state digital media player. It's the first solid state digital media player. It's in the Smithsonian right now, actually. And this is the goal was to put a whole library like in your pocket. So this is similar to the early MP3 players that you're probably familiar with that played music. They did it first and with audiobooks. So that technology was really breakthrough and disruptive. And fast forward a few years when Steve Jobs and Apple decided to launch the first iPod, the big white brick version, they called uh, Don and they said, hey, do you want to be part of this and run the audiobook shop for us? And the rest is history. And that's when Audible really started to get scale. Wow. Wow. Talk about visionary, right? <laughs> and it's so appropriate that it's in the Smithsonian. So uh, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. He's truly a pioneer. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, as a kid, I, I don't know if we're the same age or around the same generation, but I grew up on MTV videos, right? And and everyone, I think at that point in time was like, oh, video is going to kill. Did you run home to watch them oh, like yeah. when the Thriller video is coming yeah. out? Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I didn't tell my mom because I, I don't think I was supposed to be watching MTV videos. But I, <laughs> <laughs> so mom, if you're listening, yeah, I was watching. So everyone thought for such a long time that video was going to kill everything, right? Video, the song Video Kills the Radio Star or whatever. But if I fast forward to today, I get so much of my news and entertainment now through audio. And it just seems to be an unmatched platform for some reason. Maybe it's because of the portability of it and the fact that where I live, everyone drives. But how do you think about it as somebody that leads one of the, <laughs> the marketing efforts of one of the largest audio platforms out there? Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because I, I had that same experience as a kid. And video has played such a big role in our world today. And People are consuming more and more media on more devices. It's actually media time consumed is increasing. But I think that the transition that has happened and is first digital came out with not video at scale. 
and people really engaged. You got your news in different formats digitally. And then video started to grow at such scale. But it's funny, video is really designed for a lean back kind of purpose. Reading digitally is more lean in, but there was this gap where if you want to go deeper outside of the quick headlines that you can scan, audio is that perfect format when your eyes are occupied, but your mind is free to just dive into. And I think people yearn for that deeper, richer experience where maybe years ago, people consume that via the morning newspaper or the evening newspaper or watch the news or some other program. People don't do that as much anymore. And I think this is where audio really comes in. And the great thing about it is that there's so much content out there. You can really choose what you want to dive into and drill into and get a really deep understanding from it. It's incredible. And I think the advent of smart speakers and mobile devices and the podcast revolution is really help train a whole new generation of listeners. And and that's a that's a great tailwind for us. Yeah, it is. And I agree. The the power of it is 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 kind of crazy. Um and I I think about it, I can't stand to hear my own voice, which is crazy because I'm a podcaster. Oh gosh. <laughs> I've gotten used to it through the editing process. But I wonder and I hear other people say, you know, Alan, you've got a voice for radio. And I was like, yes, because my face was not for TV. <laughs> But I worry about, you know, I think about it because I'm in. I'm hoping you run like Photoshop on my voice because I can't stand it either. Is there like some editing tool that can happen where it just sounds so awesome? We can compress it a little bit and and, and enhance it slightly. We'll, we'll do a little tweaking. We'll do a little snip, snip and awesome. touch here. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, for that. Sure. For sure. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think about it and I'm, I'm in people's ears and you really, I've heard other podcasters and, and other people talk about this, but you really can't get any any closer to somebody than literally your voice coming through their ears so it, it is a very powerful platform for sure let's talk about marketing you highlighted a little bit there's a lot of it seems like a, a good bit of similarities between verizon in some instances and what you're doing in audible but i know it's different and just curious if you could tell us a little bit about like what does marketing at audible look like yeah well uh there's similarities in every company it's just the same function and both cultures you know Audible, which is part of Amazon and Verizon, are really highly data-driven, drive operations at scale, and really are focused on lawless execution. So I think those things are, are very similar. But maybe the one thing that is that was immediately different to me day one when I came here was when people start meetings at Audible, they read. They're silent for 10 minutes as people read a document. This was like surreal to me at first. I was like, okay, we're going to read here. No one's going to talk. And you'd go past conference room and people are just looking at a document reading. And I'm like, wow, that's unusual. And this is a practice that's instilled in the culture. And I didn't know what to make of it. But I started observing that people actually started discussions with a common baseline of knowledge and understanding. We all had the same facts. Nobody was biased from any one person's opening salvo. And we we're actually listening to each other. And even if we didn't agree with the point of view or what's being recommended in the document, we started from a place of empathy. Like we know that person's point of view. They've thought through it. They've expressed it. Now we direct the dialogue in a constructive manner to what's the best thing for our customers? What's the best thing for the company? And it's awesome. I'm a massive convert to this practice. I think it makes meetings more productive. It strengthens relationships. 
And you know, especially at Audible, it starts with listening, right? We believe that listening makes the world a better place. So why don't we practice this and eat our own dog food? So to me, that was a, a mega culture change, but one that I think is super effective. So you're starting a meeting with reading. Or is it the what's, I guess, been popularized in the press of the memo that Amazon's made famous? Is that what you're reading or is it some other document? Well, I think Jeff has got that shareholder letter every single year, but there's also like formats. Like there's a two-pager, a six-pager. If you want to tee up a concept, two-pager, you want to go deep on a plan, it's a six-pager. I mean, that varies, but those are the two kind of big formats that are used. Interesting. Where is Audible going? What is your future look like? Well, I think listening is got a lot of growth ahead of it. People are, are adopting it in every facet. You see the stats, you know, between smart speakers and podcasts and audiobooks. 50% of Americans 12 plus have now listened to an audiobook. That's massive. And audiobook listeners tend to be younger and more likely to own things like smart watches, smart speakers. And because of that, one of the great things that we're seeing is that creators are gravitating to the category. They're looking to do more audio projects because they know it's a great way for them to engage with their fans and extend their personal brand. And so we at Audible want to be the go-to choice, the preferred partner for all the best talents, audio projects. That's a great opportunity for us and something that we're embracing. So I think that's a big part of our future because we can go beyond the traditional audio books and do things a little bit differently. And uh, that's exciting. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting what you guys are doing. I mean, there's the, I think when we last spoke, you, you mentioned um, Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers project that was on Audible's platform. And I know you've done some stuff with uh, John Cena. I think, is that right? The 64th man? Yeah, th- yeah, we announced that. We announced that a few weeks yeah. ago, yeah. And uh, assuming, I mean, some of that is, uh, or you're also, I guess, going into originals, things that you're in some way curating or developing yourselves, as well as, you know, allowing creators to come to the platform as well. Is that right? For sure. For sure. I, I think I think there's so much that we could do together. Sometimes creators come with their own idea. And we provide, I think, a lot of guidance and tips on here's some of the best practices that we've learned in audio. We have production studios around the world, France, Berlin, Newark, New Jersey, so we can help them. I love how you threw Newark, New Jersey in there with France and Berlin. That's our biggest one, our most renowned one, London, you know, so we can guide them along the way and do it really effectively and efficiently. But some, you know, have their own vision. And our goal in many cases is to guide them, provide them the data on what they should expect with this, and also help them help them market, help them reach new audiences for them and dimensionalize their own brand, right? Because people can use audio to grow their brand and grow their appeal to people. John Cena is not working on something that's WWE related with Audible, right? He's doing a multicast scripted comedy that really leans into his humor and his audience in in such an authentic way that showcases that he's got multiple talents and and multiple dimensions, right? And I think we're able to, to do that with people and we're able to provide more reach. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We like to consider ourselves the best partner because... We can provide better results through our reach and strength of distribution and marketing. We want to help build their personal brand and work with them on what they, what they want to accomplish with the project. So we want to be fulfilling to the creator and we want to be easy and fun to work with. When you're working on a creative project, you're going back and forth on what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And many times that's just got to be fluid and you got to be able to work with creators in that way that really honors who they are. And I think I think we built something special there. I think we have that down. Right. Do you see yourself becoming, at least in some part, a talent business in the future? I don't think we'll manage talent or represent talent like an agency. That said, we want to be the best partner for creators. And whether that be working through their agencies or working with them directly. And uh, for example, you know, as we, as we work with different authors, I start building relationships with them. And I was showing this one author, how great her Audible book was doing. But I was also showing, hey, here's the exact fall-off point where people maybe checked out of listening. And it was really interesting. Is that the narrative arc? Is that the performance of the narrator? What's, what's in there? So we dive a little bit deeper and we help them produce better work, right, the next time. So that's pretty, pretty unique. And we're in a, a great position in the audio world because you probably have heard this being in the industry, but people complete audio works at a much greater rate than print books or even eBooks, right? So podcasts or audiobooks get finished at such a higher percentage than other formats because it is so easy to engage with. Right. No, it, it's true. I, I was amazed. Some of my longest episodes, people would listen to the whole episode still. And it, it's amazing to see those percentages because it's like, it's like if I could just keep going, they'll keep listening. And I, I hope that's the case. But sometimes when they're a little longer, you're worried that they might drop off. But I think if you've built the audience and, and the content is quality, then they stick around. So that's awesome that you're able to consult with the creators on that level in terms of their work and, and give them that insight. Because a lot of times you don't know, right? I mean, if you're just writing a book, you don't know what the reception is going to be until that book is done. So getting some feedback along the way is awesome. Well, um, you're in the content business. So you've got one side that's content, right? You're basically a marketplace. You got content and then you've got the subscriptions for people paying for that content. You've also got this original creations in the mix. How does all this synergistically support each other, if you will, and allow for, I guess, the pie to grow overall, to more creators to come, more listeners to come to the platform? That's something that we are asking ourselves every single day. And this is rapidly evolving, as you know. What we have seen and what our, what our customers have really led us to is they love the great audio books that we've been distributing. They come to us for these incredible bestsellers from these amazing authors. That really is the only way that 
the author makes a living. It's a little different than like say music where Taylor Swift, although she was a, was a holdout on certain platforms for a while, she can make money on music, but then she can also sell merch and then fill a stadium. And that's where like she makes an incredible amount of her income, right? A, a high percentage. Authors don't have that. Their compensation is mainly in intellectual property unless you're assigning movie rights, et cetera. So this is where they get rewarded. And so customers come to us for that. It's awesome. And they always will come to us for that. And, and that's, that's a key part of what, what we do. But there's also things that they want to learn and experience beyond the audiobook. And that's where we really use our data and our customer insights to lead us to what we should be developing for them. For example, for years, Audible has offered daily news stories from the New York Times, Washington Post, and Wall Street Journal delivered right to your phone at no charge, right? So all any of our members can just get that, which is incredible. And it's, you know, they're half hour daily episodes that keep you up to date on what's going on. So we've had that and we asked customers, what, what else? are you looking for? They said, well, what about like meditation and wellness? So we started uh, developing exclusive meditation and wellness. And these are, again, shorter form programs, not traditional audiobooks that we offer to our customers for free. So whether they want to relax before they go to sleep or start with a morning meditation or yoga, or I want an inspiring coach to guide me with music in the background as I run or train for a marathon, we offer that to our customers, again, included at no charge. So those are new categories and new listening formats that aren't music and don't exist outside of you know bespoke experiences. And they also said, well, we really want to learn about certain topics. So we're, we've partnered with this company called The Great Courses. You may have heard of them to develop exclusive Audible original courses that our customers can get and learn about the topics that they care about the most. So these are things that in between those great bestsellers and authors that they follow and always consume, we can give them these other listening experiences and really make sure they're getting the most value from our service. Because they vote with their dollars or in their mind every single day and where they where they choose to listen. And we want to constantly be upping our game. Oh, that's awesome. I didn't know that you could get some of those things. So you got to check those out for sure. That's my bad. If you didn't know, if you didn't know you can get them, I, I got to, I got to do some better marketing to you. Yeah. Yeah. I guess potentially, I guess potentially, but uh, <laughs> I consume a lot of different things too, but maybe that's the challenge, right? But yeah. So I need to for sure check some of those out. I didn't realize it. One of the things I love to do besides just talking business and learning about companies is to get to know the person behind the microphone as well. And I love asking this question. And is there an experience or set of experiences potentially in your past that defines and makes up who you think you are today? Huh? Wow. Yeah. I, I, we're all a product of our experiences, right? That's a great question. And I believe that recognizing that I think is key because then you can create your own experiences to define who you want to be. And it's interesting. I look outside my window here in Newark, New Jersey, and I see I see the, the neighborhood where my dad grew up. And if I look, if I go across the building and look outside a different window, I see the neighborhood where my mom grew up. And I actually lived there when I was younger too, in Newark, New Jersey, where Audible is headquartered. And I was the first generation of my family to go to college. And I was I was adopted by my parents that lived in Newark. And they provided me so much. And it's it's amazing. And I'm super grateful for it today. And when I think about the fact that I and my life's a, a circle, right? I'm here at Audible, whose headquarters is in Newark. And the fact that Audible in 2008, after Amazon purchased them, could have said, 
we're going to go to the swankiest office building in New York City and relocate our headquarters from this little place in Wayne, New Jersey to New York City and live the high life is something that many startups that get funding or get bought out do. Audible said, I'm moving to Newark, New Jersey. I believe that this town needs urban revitalization and transformation. And I want to bring jobs, retail, and companies to Newark. I mean, that's deep commitment. That's walking the walk. And that is the founder's vision. It's much more than just financial success. And when you think about the fact that a lot of companies hire Ivy League interns, et cetera, we hire Newark, New Jersey high school interns or college students from Newark, New Jersey to work at Audible because we want to provide them opportunities that they might not have had otherwise. And so when I think about kind of my life and where my parents grew up and, and driving by it every day on the way to work, I'm just, I'm reminded that, wow, <laughs> super grateful. We have such first world problems here and we have to recognize that our role as individuals and as companies is to utilize whatever talents, whatever resources, whatever we can do to help contribute to the world and, and afford others the same opportunities that we've had. So to me, it's a wild question and I'm definitely rambling. So I apologize for that. Edit this out completely, but that's sort of kind of my my view of it. Yeah, no, I love it. I really like the fact that you have in some ways, I guess, going to Audible, you've been able to reconnect with your roots and the places in which your, your parents grew up and I'm assuming met <laughs> and decided to adopt you. And you've been afforded, to your point, opportunities in your life and that the company that you work for is, is giving those giving opportunities back to more people. That's, a, that's amazing. It's an amazing story. So thank you for sharing. Oh, cool. Most marketers are students of the business and curious if there's any other brands or companies or causes that you follow and you think other people should be taking notice of. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's a few brands that I follow that I, that I just admire are many. You learn from the good and the bad. I'm completely impressed with uh, Peloton and uh, I just think they've done such a great job really building a community and taking these live and on-demand experiences and making them accessible to everybody in a very premium way, but yet have successfully evolved that to scale without the equipment requirement and the way that they connect the dots of the user experience and really drill into their community and what they stand for and and the impact that they have on making people's lives better, which was kind of the same as, as Audible, I think. I think they do a remarkable job. So I study them a lot. And I think it's also cool because they're very stat-driven too. They provide these great stats to their customers. So I think that's a great one. I think in the non-obvious or consumer category, there's a company, you may have heard of it, you may not, called Progeny. It's actually a, a, a fertility service provider for corporations. They help corporations uh, manage their fertility benefits to ensure better outcomes for their employees. And they have this way of working where they ensure higher statistics of success and the way they've architected the value chain and helping people and corporations manage through that process with their employees is pretty amazing. And I think I think you see, I think this is the start of something. I think you'll see it in other forms. We have Progeny uh, works with uh, Audible, actually. And 
So does a company called Henry the Dentist. And this guy pulls in a big van, a big bus in the parking lot, and people people get their uh, dental uh, services like on site, which is pretty cool. So I think there's these bespoke things that there's a lot of disruption that can happen in that in that industry. So I think that is uh, I think that's really cool. And then other than other than those, I mean, those are the ones that I think are just I, I follow pretty regularly. And then a couple of meal delivery services, but yeah, I can go on and on. No, no, that's great. And I, we've actually I've had it's been a couple of years now, but I've had a uh, Carolyn Tish Blodgett from Peloton on. She's a head. Oh, of, really? Yeah, head of brand, and it is amazing what they've been able to create and the avidness of their user base. Frankly, it's pretty amazing. But I've got to check out this Henry the dentist guy. That sounds amazing and progeny for sure. But I, I, I think I'm good on the kid front. But I'm interested in what they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's the business model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to your point, disrupting things that you wouldn't have thought of otherwise. Um, I mean, dentistry and how it's delivered, or fertility, and how that how it's working with employers as a benefit. So that's cool. So a couple last remaining marketing questions, and then we'll wrap up here. But do you see any big, you know, just as a marketer, do you see any big opportunities or threats kind of staring us as a function in the face? It could be an opportunity, it could be a threat. Go either way with it. Just curious. Yeah, it's interesting. I believe it's both an opportunity and a threat. And I think the role of marketers is evolving and I think we just need to recognize it because, I don't know, 20 years from now, we're not going to be wanting to be marketed to in the same way that we are today. And we've got all these great tools, right? I mean, data and machine learning is going to help us drive personalization beyond what we can ever imagine today. This will also help us optimize funnels and really nail some of those workflow issues that we're trying to fix every day on a more manual basis. And all the omni-channel strategies that are being deployed by us and others today will only grow and allow us to have more conversations with more customers and meet them where they are. So there's a lot of great developments that will make marketing's job easier and also allow us to focus on other things. And and what I believe is that marketing's role 20 years from now is going to be how to machine and connect the dots among all those things to super serve customers and to help our customers find meaning and purpose and to get insights from their day-to-day lives and then to connect that with what we do as a company to meet those needs, right? In many ways, I believe that as other functions are so becoming so specialized, whether it be HR or finance or engineering or production, marketers, I believe, are going to need to play that role of master orchestrator and the bridge and and among all the different functions within a company and really play that role as general manager. And I think you're going to see more and more general managers come from the marketing track. And I actually believe that 20 years from now, the most coveted members of uh, corporate boards are going to be from the marketing function. I think it's a gap that exists today when you look at corporate boards. And I think growth and customer centricity is something that all companies are always going to need. And it's up to us to to champion the voice of customers and to be the visionaries of what's possible in terms of connecting our customer needs with what we as a company can provide. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. And I, I think you answered my second question, which is kind of painting a future for marketing <laughs> in the process. On your point about boards, I mean, I've had the luxury of talking to two individuals that do quite a bit of work and different 
aspects of this one placing people on boards uh, which is greg welch at spencer stewart and i see there's a huge crack beginning right where we're starting to see more marketers get on boards for good reason i think that right now a lot of marketers are also the most diverse board member that gets placed whether it's a woman or a person from a minority background or, or some other diversity inclusion initiative and they are also marketers which says something that i think about marketing as a function inside corporations they're probably the more diverse which is great in touch with the community that they serve right yeah yeah exactly and to your point i think it is critically important important to have marketing at the board level. And the other person that I would point people to is Kim Whitler, who's an academic at University of Virginia Gardens Business School. And she's done, she studied this in terms of people, number of marketers or having marketing experience at the board level and the performance of those companies over time. And there is a direct correlation between outperformance and having marketing experience on the board. I did not know that. That's excellent. Yeah. So you're hot on it. Now, if we could just get every other white dude, because it is white dudes in the boardroom, to realize that marketers have this untapped potential for them, we could flip the switch and we could live your live your future much sooner, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 now that you have data from the professor at UVA, that's a great thing. So I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, John, thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been uh, fascinating. Oh, Alan, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners and you can contact me at marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you'll also find complete show notes with links to anything we talk about on any episode. You can also search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.